Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to episode 125 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me Bex. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? Yes, excellent. I've been outside painting my studio, enjoying the sunshine, and I now look like a sort of weird Dalmatian cosplay. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah, rollers on sticks and ceilings create a wonderful even smattering effect that sort of looks intentional <laughs> good well that's yeah you have to remember that for next time you go to comic gun <laughs> you do 101 dalmatians like cosplay or something so what have you been up to well speaking of comic-con uh, mostly comic-con related things it has to be said uh, there was london film and comic-con and that was a few weeks back Yes, uh, where I did some filming, so we've got the video from that is up on the the Geek Town site and on my YouTube as well, which was incredibly good fun. I was there all three days and got to see lots of celebrities from a great, very great distance, <laughs> and uh, speak to loads of there were loads of um, really awesome professional cosplayers and charity collection cosplay groups, and I got exterminated by a Dalek and got to stand in a box and pretend to be an action figure it, it was very silly but very fun i'd lost my voice so i couldn't do a lot of the interviews i normally do so i basically ran around being a bit of an idiot um, <laughs> and then did a sort of review voiceover on the top for the for the 10 minutes i could speak the next day right yes yeah no i saw both i saw a lot of those i saw you in the box and uh, with the dalek and stuff uh does seem to be fairly kind of cosplay focused that one there seem to be some good guests but less access to them which is annoying there are a load of amazing guests the, the list was phenomenal but you weren't allowed to film near any of them that's annoying so that's why there's not many shots in the video of of that because literally you'd kind of get out a camera let alone a camera on a tripod with a cameraman and a lot of lighting equipment and you'd just see big not in cosplay men coming towards you in dark suits <laughs> and you'd have to leg it um they i think for, partly because they wanted to keep all the cues moving because it was so sold out and there were so many people to see and also because they were just trying to just control how everything was working up there it was um yeah masses of people to see loads of incredible stars yeah yeah it, it looked like a really good lineup it's kind of annoying that you we couldn't get more access to people but uh that's a shame but um we've yeah, got i tried waving a press pass at them and and doing sort of big puppy eyes and they were still just like nope sorry oh, over there dear. um so i ran around and had fun with the cosplayers instead Yes, well, you got some good footage out of it, so that's that's all right. And um, we've got MCM coming up in is it October or November? I can't remember, but uh, yes, it's October for MCM, and we've got London Super Comic Con is in a few weeks' time, which is a slightly smaller 
and quite cosplay and comics heavy one so i will be doing both of those yes yes i will i won't be down for super comic con i will be down for uh for mcm though so uh looking forward to doing that and we should get some good coverage from that so so that will be worthwhile. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't checked the guest list recently, so I don't know who they've added, but uh, they tend to do everything last minute MCF. So. <laughs> yeah, I think they have a lot of changes and things. And because a lot of their guests are coming over from the States and I mean, the last MCM had all those problems of Heathrow and that affected all the timetables. So I think they're wary of saying stuff too early if it might still change. Yeah, it's it's also difficult in October because because a lot of people that they would like to come over are usually shooting at the time, which is why May tends to be a bit better guest-wise. But, um, you know, they, they usually still manage to find some decent people to come across. I'm trying to remember when the last time I was on, had I been to Hyper Japan and had I done Defenders of the Triforce last time I was on the podcast? I don't think you had. No. Hyper Japan is great fun if you like all things Japanese, including some awesome um, like music stars and bands and things. And they had um, the guy that makes the hand droid, which is the most advanced um, sort of cybernetic arm and hand thing that's ever been made, which you can control with a glove and you can, they want to use it for sort of bomb disposal things and make a prosthetics version you can control with sort of your mind and stuff later. Um and they have a demonstration of that, which was amazing. Wow. Uh, and Defenders of the Triforce, which is the uh, Legend of Zelda themed, well, very much Ocarina of Time themed uh, escape room type thing, which wasn't really an escape room, but was very fun. Uh, I did a video on that one as well, uh, also up on the, the Geek Town web- website, isn't it? Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, that that was interesting. That was a that was a good one. Got to pose at the end with a giant replica of a master sword, which made me stupidly happy. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I think we used that as the top shot on the uh, on the article, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many photos. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what about TV wise? Anything TV or movie wise? Uh, I, I've been doing some rewatching of some old stuff again. I've been feeling quite nostalgic. There are a lot of things I'm enjoying are coming to an end. So obviously, I'm still very much loving Killjoys. I haven't seen the finale of Orphan Black. Right. Do not spoil it. Yes. I, I'm, I, normally, I would be watching that now. Right. However, I'm talking to you now, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. be watching it and I'll have to watch it another day. Um, but I'm insanely looking forward to that. Uh, the end of um, The Handmaid's Tale, that was... Yes, yeah. I, I got right I to finish that. I expected it to yeah. finish more of the book than it than it did. Um, yes, it, it sort of it, ends it with it getting... Better kind of carted off which which i thought was was kind of an interesting place to end it It definitely sets things up for the next season so yeah um, i I wasn't expecting them to cliffhanger it i sort of sort of went there must be another one and then there wasn't yeah yeah (laughs) anything else uh i've been re-watching bubblegum crisis which is a cyberpunk 1980s japanese anime right which is it still holds up i have to say um because I thought I'd start doing some some retro reviews since I found all these anime VHS tapes at my mum's house. <laughs> um, wow. And re-watching some of them, because I also found a VHS player. Wow. Um, <laughs> handy how those things work out. Yeah. And I've, I found some of them are really awful. Right. There's, there's things you watch when you're sort of 12 years old, and they're so cool because they're cool. And then you watch them again as an adult, and you're sort of going... This this is this is awful. This is so awful. I feel the need to talk about it on the internet. So I've been d- doing a bit of that, um, and I, I watched the first of uh, the Star Trek reboots again the other day. Oh right, yes, that, yeah, that holds up well. Actually, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, no, I really enjoyed that first of the feature films. Wasn't overly keen on the second one. Really liked the third one. So yeah, I thought the second one was a bit pants. Yeah, um, that, that's my professional opinion on it. The third one I really, really enjoyed. It felt more like a feature-length 
episode in some ways. It was yeah. quite a sort of small plot, but it was incredibly fun. And that's a lot of that's down to the script because they have Simon Pegg on board. Yes, yeah. And like, the script and the character interactions are so good that you're just enjoying it for that reason. So I really liked it. it sort of making me sort of more looking forward to the to being able to watch the, the new series when that comes out. Yeah, the new series is going to be interesting because it's no standalone episodes. It's all serialised. That That's going to be interesting to see how that works, if that works. So, yeah, I am looking forward to it, though. Should be good. I know a lot of people are complaining that it's not quite Star Trek, but I, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I will judge it when I see it, I think. People said that about DS9, though, because DS9 didn't go anywhere, and that yeah. was an amazing series. Yes. And then I didn't hear enough complaints about Enterprise, which they did go places, but it was quite poor. <laughs> yes. I, Enterprise came good at the end, apart from the finale, which was terrible, but the... Uh, the the last sort of season and a half of Enterprise, I think, was actually started to pull itself together, but it was a bit late by then, unfortunately. It but, was difficult to watch because the theme tune just so wasn't Star Trek. It <laughs> made know. me angry each time. And <laughs> that always set me up in a bad mood for each episode, which I don't think was in its favour. So yeah. I think depending on what the, the theme tune for the new one's like, that that might have an effect on whether or not I enjoy it, which sounds stupid, but it it's true. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. That theme tune was a terrible choice. Whoever decided that should have been ashamed of themselves. It was very bad. So, I mean, I have watched the finale of Orphan Black, uh, <gasps> so I, I won't spoil it for you at all. Um, it wraps things up. I will say it wraps things up quite quickly. And then there's quite a long kind of coda to it. You know, it's sort of seeing what happens to everybody, but... Uh, so it's an interesting way in terms of the the way they've structured it, but it, it's uh, I think it, it's a good, like sweet, satisfying ending. I think to the to the show. So you know, I I uh, enjoyed it. I think it's good. I've also been going back, not watching quite that old shows, but I have been going back through kind of trying to clear some stuff off that's been sat on my skybox for ages. So I finished off Hell on Wheels finally, which was a great series. Um, you know, about the building of the railroad across the, the US, uh, starring and Anson Mount, who is now the leader of the uh, the Inhumans for the new Inhuman series. It's weird seeing him in Inhumans without his beard and long hair. But uh, yeah, it's uh, he, he, that's a great show, a really well worth watching if you can uh, go and find it. I think it's on, I think it's on Netflix. Not sure. I think it's on Netflix though. Uh, but worth going to find. I've started Ray Donovan as well because the new series of that is coming back soon. So I've started trying to finish off the last season of of that, which I hadn't quite got around to finishing. And uh, Rick and Morty, I finally started. Is this a show you've been you've been watching? I'm very aware of it because you can't not be. But I've yeah. never actually seen it. Yeah, you see, I was I was exactly the same. And then Matt was talking last week about he'd started watching it, and uh, you know they're only kind of twenty. 20 minute 22 minute episodes so they're fairly short they're quite good to you know if i go and make some food it's quite a good thing to kind of sit down and watch while i'm eating you know so i uh i've been kind of just working through them about four or five episodes into the first season at the moment very enjoyable um you, the first episode yeah, i was maybe i'll put it on my list for after i've been re-watching all of blackadder and all of red dwarf right when i've been with as my you know for eating kind of tv 
Yeah. Maybe I'll put that on the list for after. Yes, yeah, it's it's good for that. I mean, I, I watched the first episode and was kind of I I wasn't entirely sure, but the more you get into it and the more they kind of start aping other pop culture references, like uh, they've kind of bits of Inception and stuff like that, they, they start you know you spot little bits of of other movies and TV shows and stuff that they're they're kind of mimicking. So the more you you kind of get into it, the more enjoyable it is. So I've I've really started to kind of it's growing on me quite a lot. So I'm I'm sort of slowly working my way through that. Also on Netflix, Atypical, which popped up I think on Friday, which is a new series. It's about a uh, a family where the oldest boy in the family is autistic. It's incredibly funny, very very sweet. It's sort of you know how he sees the world as and he's a very kind of literal person and him trying to sort of get out from underneath his overprotective mother and uh, also the the rest of the family sort of how the rest of the family are you know dealing with him as his autism and just the rest of the family as a unit and how they kind of pull together or pull apart you know it's one of those dramas that netflix does very very well interesting subject slightly off the wall very funny but quite touching and uh, you know sweet in places it really well worth watching if you've if you've not started it i think i binged watched my way through the first 3 episodes last night so um, I'm I'm going to go and carry on watching a bit more of that. And then uh, Blood Drive was another thing I watched this week, which is nuts. Have you heard anything about this series? No, I don't think I have. Right. But it's got an interesting right. title, so my ears have pricked up already. Blood Drive, it's airing on sci-fi in the UK. Uh, in fact, it's a sci-fi US show, I think, actually. Uh, one of the rare occasions where, both, where it's airing on sci-fi on both sides of the channel. It is a, a Grindhouse-inspired show so it it's very much in the sort of vein of those kind of 80s video nasties the basic principle of it is you it's set in a uh, sort of alternative 1999 where the world's gone to pot and the oil prices are like you know two thousand dollars a barrel and nobody can really afford to run cars but there is this race that goes on, which has a $10 million prize. And people take part in, the, part in this race, driving cars that are powered by human blood. So, <laughs> so, um, so somebody saw death race and they saw Carmageddon and they thought, what can we do to make this even more extreme? Yes, basically that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's incredibly gory. The, uh, the two leads are, um, the guy that played Aquaman in Smallville actually is the male lead. He plays a, a character called Arthur, who's nicknamed Barbie because uh, the female lead thinks that he looks like the sort of male version of Barbie. And uh, he's uh, uh, the last good cop in America, he's described as. And she's a kind of femme fatale kind of character. And uh, they he he's investigating this blood race, uh, yeah, the blood drive, and gets unexpectedly partnered up with this girl, and they sort of are, have to stay together to uh, complete the uh, blood race. Otherwise, the bombs that have been put in the back of the their necks will blow their heads off. So, <laughs> yeah, well, naturally, I mean, I can't think what else would be happening in that plot. <laughs> um, it's it's bonkers. It's it's 
fun though it's really good fun i i really enjoyed the first episode it's just very strange but you know having grown up in the 80s on those sort of you know 80s videos kind of grindhousey type things i'm quite enjoying it so i will be watching more episodes of that but yeah it was really good fun the first episode of that also, this week, I've been playing through Fallout, which uh, I'm, I'm working through Nuka World at the moment. I've, I've done quite a lot of it. The biggest problem with the Nuka World content is the fact that you get to a point where you're, it's basically you're dealing with gangs of raiders and you're sort of siding with the raiders. And I tend to play a nicer character in Fallout because, you know, I'm a nice guy. So, uh, But the problem is that the, the, the ultimate conclusion of the Fallout Nuka World content you don't get any decent benefits from being a nice guy. So I'm sort of having to be evil, unfortunately, in that. But it's quite good fun. It's uh, I've been really enjoying the Nuka World content, uh, so I've uh, been playing through that. And uh, then Game of Thrones as well. I'm guessing you haven't seen last night's episode yet. I've only seen one episode of Game of Thrones, which I believe was the season finale to season three. Oh, really? Oh, yes, I've forgotten. You don't do Game of Thrones, do you? No, so... Um, I, I, I mean to. I mean, it, it sounds really cool. It's got, you know, swords and dragons and, and everything about it sounds very good. I just haven't. And now everyone else is so far ahead and I know so much just from being in the geek world and seeing people and talking to people that I, I kind of need to wait till I've forgotten everything I know and then start it. <laughs> you really do, because you really need to go and watch it, though, because it's amazing. This week's episode of uh, Game of Thrones kind of calmed down a bit from still great episode, but uh, much calmer than than the uh, craziness that was Daenerys on a dragon. So uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying that. It's really good. It's kind of this episode was really about starting to pull people back together again which has been really nice. So you're getting people in positions for coming up to the season finale, which I think is two or three episodes away, scarily, because it's a short season this month. So, um, yeah, um, but I'm looking forward to that. It's it's shaping up very well this show. So unless you've got anything else you want to put in, we can move on to some TV and film news. Uh, I think we can, yeah, skip ahead. Move on to some film and TV news. <laughs> Kicking off the film and TV news this week, we have, of course, the air date updates. A few interesting things coming up. Last Ship has now got a UK air date. That's on Sunday, the 27th of August at 9pm. Unfortunately, it's also up against uh, Strike, which is this three-part thing coming from J.K. Rowling writing under a pseudonym, uh, the Cormorant Strike books that she wrote, sort of trying to prove that that uh, she could sell novels not just off her name, but off, off, you know, being a very, very good writer. So she wrote this series of books based around a character called Cormorant Strike, and uh, this is the first TV, TV adaptation of that. I think it's in three parts, this first one. That comes on... Uh, Sunday the 27th of August at 9pm as well so I will be recording one of those and watching the other the crowd I've seen some of The Last Ship so I'd recommend watching the other <laughs> The Last Ship yeah I I mean it's a it's a fun show um, it gets more and more ridiculous as, as time goes by it's one of those kind of um, summer shows that that they tend to run in the US a uh, bit like Zoo that you kind of heard there's a lot of suspending of disbelief in there to uh, to get you through it but um yeah i do enjoy the last ship it's a fun show 
then uh, there's The Crown Season 2. That's returning on the 8th of December on Netflix. Finished the first season of that. Really enjoyed it. Um, this will be the last season with Claire Foy and Matt Smith in the lead roles before they get shipped out for some uh, character. Well, some older actors that are, are more suitable for the age of the characters. So um, they're doing that every two seasons, I think. So that should be good. The Expanse is finally getting a UK air date for its second season. That's coming on the 8th of September. I love The Expanse. So yeah. it coming over here is a, is a great thing. I can't believe it's taken them so long to actually get it an air date for the UK. Yeah, yeah. The the first season took for, for ages, ages to get over, and then they seem to have delayed the second season forever as well. So I don't know. It's obviously some sort of rights deal that's that's going on. But uh, yeah, eighth of September on Netflix. That and also literally announced this morning, uh, Gotham season three is finally getting a UK air date. I mean, it, it technically it premieres on the twenty eighth of August on disc, but if you want to not buy the discs, you can get it on Netflix from the 1st of September. Uh, still no sign of it showing up on Channel 5, although last time I spoke to them, they were swearing faithfully they still had the rights and it was going to come. There's just some problem that's stopping them from airing it. There's a lot of people going off on Channel 5 on there. Apparently it's not their fault, but yeah, it's it's difficult, you know, considering the rubbish that Channel 5 do air most of the time. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, every time they post something, people going, where's Gotham to them? So uh, at least it's coming onto <laughs> Netflix now. So yeah, that's it'll good. be an interesting one. I think season three of Gotham's going to determine whether or not there's any more of it because I I wasn't keen on the sort of cliffhanger bit at the end of the last season and where that was kind of sending the show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, well, there is there is definitely a fourth season because that's you know we're basically a year behind now, so there is a fourth season that's coming on. Well, sometimes late September, I think it, it starts in the US on Fox. I mean. Whether this is a sign that we might get the fourth season on Netflix as well, week by week, I don't know, but we can only hope. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's difficult because it's been it's one of those shows that's not been treated particularly well. So, But moving on to uh, other news, Fox apparently are, are talking about making... 24 again but without ctu this time which is the gift that keeps on giving 24 isn't it yeah um i mean it's whether 24 is still 24 if you take the ctu and the terrorists out of it you know um the i mean the the idea is that they're they're very keen on the 24-hour format so the ticking clock kind of thing but they're talking about taking it out of CTU, not using the sort of terrorist plot, which is what they've used for every season so far, and setting it somewhere else entirely. So, you know, you could have it set in the middle of a disaster zone or or set in 24 hours in a hospital or you could have it 24 hours set on a boat that's sinking or i mean you know there's various things they could do with it i mean i i suspect it will still be an action driven show but um it opens uh, them up to avoid getting stale and repetitive and just do other good ideas they have almost kind of like the way things like black mirror have a different concept they want to explore each episode this is sort of doing the same in for each series, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it turns it into more of an anthology series. That's kind of the idea. Um, I mean, they, they are saying it might not be an action-oriented show. It could be kind of an emotionally-driven show, although I think that would be slightly weird to use the 24-hour thing based on that. I'm, 
I mean, if they can work something out that works with that format, then great, I guess. I just, it's not really 24 anymore, I I don't think. It's using, it's a a sort of vehicle using that format, but I, yeah, it just feels a bit odd calling it 24, I guess, you know. I mean, I see why they're doing it and it does stop it from getting stale. I, I, I sort of see that. But if you're completely going to say, okay, well, you know, no CTU, uh, no terrorism plot, it's going to be, you know, based in a shopping centre or something, I that's weird, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. But we'll have to see what they come up with with that. Over on Amazon, they've struck a fairly big deal with a man called Robert Kirkman, who is the guy behind The Walking Dead. Uh, and they've they've basically managed to get a first look deal with uh, Skybound Entertainment, which is his production company. This won't affect The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead or Outcast, because those are shows that are already in production with uh, AMC in the US. But it means that anything that Robert Kirkman comes up with going forward will go out as an Amazon original. Um, I haven't watched a huge amount of The Walking Dead. I'm just wondering how many more properties they can actually get out of the same comic book franchise. Well, uh, it's, Although it, I do like the idea that the original writer is the one leading all of these additional pieces. Yeah, well, it won't be the Walking. It won't be the Walking Dead. I don't think it will be some of his other comics, which is things like Super Dinosaur, Battle Pope, Standing Wolfman, Thief of Thieves. It will be those books, none of which that I actually know. To be honest, I don't know much of Robert Kirkman's other work. But the, moving forward, it will be those books that I think they're probably looking at. I don't know whether you know any of his other comics. Not incredibly well, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that instantly jump out as something that would make a TV show. But then Prime does do things which is a bit more niche and a bit more risk-taking, so maybe there's some good material in there. It was something after I investigate a little bit further, I think. I mean, I really like The Walking Dead. Um, I wasn't overly keen on Outcast. Uh, I might need to go back and give that another shot. Fear the Walking Dead I thought was quite good. I haven't seen the third season yet. Second season was okay, but I'm, I want to see the third season because I'm told that it's it's a lot better. So I don't know. It, I mean, we've we've had this with Netflix as well this week because Netflix, as we mentioned last week, have bought Miller World, which is uh, Mark Miller's comic book company. So you've got Netflix taking Miller World, you've got Amazon taking this. So they're all sort of expanding the comic book stuff. There was news this morning as well, apparently, that uh, Shondaland, the uh, Shonda Rhimes production company, is moving from ABC in the US to Netflix as well. So Netflix really kind of throwing their money around. They're the people that make Grey's Anatomy has a to get away with murder and scandal so the streaming services are really starting to kind of turning to very big players this year because they're they're swallowing up these other licenses and stuff to make sure they can nail them down without companies selling them off to sort of various network tv things piece by piece you know so it's not going to be one show here, one show there. They're kind of saying, we want all this content on ours, which yeah. is kind of and interesting. It's interesting because things like The Walking Dead, I think a lot of people who are watching it didn't realise it was a comic book show. They didn't realise they were watching a genre show necessarily. Yeah. It sort of broke out beyond that and it sort of branched the sort of geeky kind of world and the horror world and the mainstream TV world. So I guess they're looking at other licences that can do similar things. They want to be the, the early adopters of some of those other other comic books and other properties that can, that can branch all of 
of those groups of people because it's a huge audience that watch stuff like Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's still one of the biggest shows on US TV at the moment, or certainly on cable TV. I mean, what what is interesting is, as you say, the Amazon deal tends to be going slightly for, you know, he's going for somebody like Robert Cartman, who is less on the face of it genre based, whereas somebody like Mark Miller is, is far more genre based. I mean, you know, a lot of his books are, are very much superhero things, but then he does have things like Kingsman, which isn't, you know, he's, he's not as obviously a comic book adaptation. So, you know, there is, there is a sort of difference there, but yeah, he's, I mean, if, if you're a fan of Robert Kirkman, you're going to need an Amazon prime subscription moving forward. But as I say, it shouldn't actually make any difference to the walking dead Fear the walking dead and outcast. I don't think, um, they will still probably air on Fox over here. Well, I mean, walking dead seems to have a deal, uh, with Fox to air everywhere internationally. So I, I suspect they're not going to want to let that go and they'll be outside the terms of this Amazon deal, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that next up we have uh, cbs developing a new show called trident which is a nuclear submarine drama from alex kirksman so it centers about around the mysterious death uh, aboard an american nu- nuclear submarine which tests the metal of the crew the white house the pentagon the cia and causes a crisis that threatens to expose a conspiracy that could trigger world war three fairly timely uh, announcement to be making this i guess <laughs> it's kind of interesting i mean the the show sounds, you know, pretty much standard American TV fare, I guess. But there are some interesting people behind it because you've got David Wilcox writing the pilot, who is probably not a name you recognize, but uh, re- recently been writing on uh, Bull which airs on uh, Fox over here. Uh, he wrote Legends, which was a, a great little series starring Sean Bean, which ran on Sky One over here. Uh, he also wrote for Life on Mars and Fringe as well. So, you know, he's he's a fairly prolific writer and he's written on some of our favourite shows, you know, uh, Life on Mars and Fringe particularly. Alex Kirksman is the man behind Scorpion, um, Y5O, Sleepy Hollow and Fringe. And he was also behind Limitless as well. He was one of the people behind Limitless, which was a, an amazing series and shouldn't have been uh, canned after one season it's his production company that are producing it and they're also producing the new star trek discovery as well and uh, instinct which is that new show starring alan cumming so i mean interesting kind of mix of of things i i mean i, yeah, I imagine that's a huge list of stuff that's based around character interactions being very fun and not being very realistic so when you add that to description of this show I'm not quite sure what's going to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting collection of, of writers. I mean, Bull, I think, is a very well-written show. I really like Legends. I thought that was kind of an interesting take. Life on Mars and uh, Fringe, uh, you know, obviously very left-of-field shows, but yeah, really good fun. But then you have the fact that it is a fairly standard plot you know it's not something that's out there it's you know it's nuclear submarine mystery intrigue thing pentagon cia white house you know it's all that sort of stuff and you have got a production company that has worked on things like hawaii 50 on there so mm. well, <laughs> yeah. the format for things like hawaii 50 and scorpion 
and Limitless, the first few episodes of Limitless. But then where those shows go, they're all fairly preposterous and based on just the just the kind of chemistry between the characters and being along for the ride. They're, they're, they're some of the most sort of ridiculous, I mean, Scorpion especially, yeah. it, it defies physics, chemistry, technical <laughs> abilities of computers. It makes no sense despite supposedly being based on real life events. So if you apply that kind of thinking to this, this could be a uh, flying nuclear submarine that lives on the moon. <laughs> well, yes, yes, very possibly. So uh, willing suspension of disbelief, I think, read at the ready for, for Trident. Uh, I mean, it's only in development at the moment, so there's no news on air dates and stuff yet, but uh, we'll keep you updated if, you hear, if we hear a bit more on that. And finally, NBC, as NBC tend to do, as they don't tend to have the most original ideas, are looking to reboot the Munsters. Um, which I'm assuming you're aware of the monsters. Yes, I remember watching that as a kid and I'm wondering how on earth you would reboot that to work for a contemporary audience. For those not familiar with it, it's basically a sitcom using the classic 60s monster movie characters. So you've got Herman Munster, who is based on Frankenstein's monster. You've got Lily, who is descended from Grandpa, who is also basically Count Dracula. Uh, and their child was a wolf boy called Eddie. They also have Marilyn, who's the daughter of Lily's sister. and She's kind of relatively normal living with them. The original version was all based in California. This version moves from the West Coast to the East, uh, so it's set in a trendy Brooklyn area of New York where the family is determined to stay true to themselves but struggling to fit in, in into their hipster neighbourhood. So <laughs> This is like descendants of the monsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming they are going to keep the, the classic kind of characters, but yes. I mean, this isn't the first time they've done this either. I mean, the monsters, they initially tried to reboot it in 1981 because the original series ran from 64 to 60. 66. So, I mean, it's an old 60s series. They tried to reboot it with the original cast in 81, which ended up as a TV movie and didn't develop into a series. They then produced The Monsters to Today, which ran from 88 to 91. That's probably the version that we saw as kids. That version actually ran longer than the original and was quite successful. They then made a third attempt in 2012 with Brian Fuller, who's the man behind Pushing Daisies and American Gods. So he was behind it. And that was called Mockingbird Lane. They kind of completely changed the format and made it like, instead of a half hour comedy, like knockabout comedy, they made it like a 45 minute comedy drama. Starred Jerry O'Connell in the role of Herman, uh, Porter Del Rossi as Lily, Eddie Izzard as Grandpa, apparently in that version. Um, I'm intrigued to see that one. I (laughs) I want to look that up now. Yeah, so am I. It must be kicking around somewhere because it it did air as a Halloween special in 2012, but they didn't take it to a full series. Yeah, that does sound interesting, that. But I... I mean, I can see why with this version, they're going back to the half hour format. It's going to be back to its traditional kind of full on comedy, sitcom comedy roots. I can see why they want to reinvent it because they've tried a couple of times before and, you know, one's been successful, a couple of not so successful. So maybe it can work. Um, I mean, the the writer for it is Jill Kargman, who apparently wrote something called Odd Mum Out, but I 
don't know that show at all. Production company is um, uh, Seth Maker Shoemeyer, which is the uh, late night host set Seth Meyers and Mike Shoemaker's production company. Who knows? It may go to series, it may not. Uh, it's still in development at the moment. There's no air date yet, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, the Adams family was successfully updated, and and the monsters was kind of one of the things cited as one of the you know the, the things that influenced that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe maybe I can't quite imagine it, but I'm intrigued. And now, if nothing else, I want to find this version with Eddie Izzard. Yes, yeah. No, I'm I'm quite intrigued to that. I'm hoping it's kicking around on YouTube or something somewhere. I'll have to go look it up. So that's the end of the news this week. Next up, we have the interview. <laughs> 
you know, that also came from being in the city was the very vibrant theater scene. And my parents were very keen on taking me to theater starting from a very young age. And so I started to see where fashion meets scripts and fashion meets literary art. And um, that sort of coalesced for me during my uh, high school and college years where I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And this is something that makes sense to me. And I feel like I'm in touch with in a lot of ways. And um, I ended up going to liberal arts school in the city and I uh, didn't take costume classes at, you know, my university, but I was able to work in the city for different designers, different theater designers, starting with. Right. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, just by virtue of the fact of being one of the only people interested in costume and at my school, I was able to to do it very often, you know, and by the time I graduated, I just realized it was what I wanted to pursue. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. And uh, the the film you've been working on recently, which is called Landline, do you, I mean, you're, you're actually working with uh, two other people who are, are very kind of staunch New Yorkers as well. The, uh, the director and the uh, producer, both New York based people. Uh, how did the film come to you and uh, how did you get involved? Well, I was lucky to have my agent put me in touch with Gillian and Liz and um, what we met for, you know, as one does in New York, we met for coffee one weekend in, in Brooklyn and it was just a great, um, I had read the script and had some ideas and I think what struck me about them is their authenticity and their um, incredible, you know, writing skills. I love their previous film, Obvious Child, and I love the way they told women's stories and they were interested in new ways to tell stories about women and family and and New York. And um, we just had a great meeting and realized that I, you know, our visual style and aesthetics really cohered. So um, it was great. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, sounding film. It's sort of a, I guess, a family drama sort of based mainly around the, the two girls um, who believe that their their dad is having an affair. And it's set in um, right. it's set in 90s New York, which I guess makes it a period drama, I suppose. <laughs> yes, I know, which is so surprising. Um, <laughs> scary a little, in fact. But yeah, yeah exactly. So um, you're you're dealing with 90s fashion now i'm i'm a 42 year old man so uh my 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 fashion sense is is hasn't really changed an awful lot probably in 20 years (laughs) (laughs) so uh, um i I mean how much has fashion changed uh, since the 90s i guess it's more noticeable in the female fashion than it is in the the guys fashion i would have thought yeah i mean you know actually not as much as if you look at the history of fashion, you know, back centuries in the past 10, 20, 30 years, it hasn't been an alarming change. I mean, I think that the reason why it feels so different when you look back at it is that, you know, because of marketing and fast fashion, trends come in and out very quickly and stores are able to present a trend and then move away from it very fast. And, and so I think that through those cycles, you start to feel like you're further and further away from the nineties or the eighties or even the early two thousands. But in fact, when you look at the bare bones of it, we're still wearing jeans with tops 
and shoes yeah. and short jackets, you know? And in that way, I feel like it's nice when you're watching Landline because even though it does look a little bit far away with, you know, certain choices that we made, because it's not so alarmingly different, you're, I think you're able to feel like the characters are even more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so uh, where are you getting the inspiration for the costumes in the drama? Well, first and foremost, from our own experience, I think, you know, like we talked about before, Gillian, Liz and I all grew up in the city and yeah. in the 80s and 90s. And so I think there's a secondhand feeling to it, although there you don't you want to be careful not to get, you know, feel too knowing about the story because you want to make sure that the actors and the characters, are their own people, you know, not necessarily the reincarnation of your family. <laughs> so um, but it's nice to start with that as a baseline and then from that we went back you know as much as we can using documentary photos and yearbooks and our you know we shared our each other's photos and there's an amazing resource in new york um part of the public library system which is the um picture collection and it's just a library of like physical photos just from all different times and places and it's just amazing so that was a really helpful resource and um and just you know doing investigative work you know almost like a a historical movie you know you would do for any movie it just happened to be you know the 90s (laughs) and then from there you know of course there were certain pop culture references that we were interested in because you know especially young girls are a lot of times influenced by, you know, musicians and actors and movies. And so we worked that in a bit. But um, for the most part, it was just real photos of real people as much as we could find. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of the pop culture stuff kind of, they they somewhat heighten certain fashion trends. Uh, So you don't want to be using all that kind of, you don't want everybody with like Rachel cuts from Friends or (laughs) stuff like that. Or wearing, you know, high-end clothes where if you look at a book of like, you know, 90s fashion and it's a fashion history book, a lot of the photos might be of models and actors who have access to very high-end clothing of the time. And it's telling story of the trends and the, you know, fashion history, of course, but it's not necessarily what, you know, two middle-class girls, you know, walking down the street in the city would be wearing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. You have to be kind of careful with that. Where are you finding the, uh, the clothes for, for, cause I mean, I, I, is it sort of rummaging through people's old closets or, or are you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Then actually, we um, w- there were certain pieces that we because of course the story is loosely based on Liz and Gillian's experience in the city. So I think there were some elements of Edie Falco's character Pat that came from their mothers, you know. Yeah. And you know, for the rest of the characters, so there were a few pe- uh, pieces that we used that actually did come from our family's closets. But for the <laughs> most part which is, you know, really fun and sweet. But for the most part, we use city, New York City vintage and thrift stores and um, really squeezed as much as we could out of the city for the uh, for the clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the two girls that play the um, daughters in it are obviously sort of teens. How were they reacting to the clothing? Was it was it different for them? Well, 
that. That's so funny. For Jenny Slate, who's, you know, around our age, it was a bit of a trip down memory lane. And it was at first, you know, the beginning of the fitting is like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> this is this is the 90s. But then, you know, the beauty of, I think, our initial fittings with Jenny were that she really sort of started to investigate Dana as a character with different, you know, and so it, it, different pieces that she would try on. So, you know, for example, yes, this is like a pair of very high waisted light wash jeans, <laughs> but just because they look nineties appropriate, we have to then take another step further and think about Dana. So Jenny was of course more familiar with it. Allie or Abby Quinn rather who plays Allie was um, not alive. <laughs> <laughs> Born in 95 or 96. So oh she, yeah, she definitely, um, she, it was all very new to her. And that was really exciting actually to sort of help her discover what this period was. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, you just don't think of the nineties as being that far away when you're my age. And <laughs> oh, I know. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Oh dear. So um, you've you've got uh, quite interesting uh, characters in the two sisters as well, because one's one's relatively kind of straight laced, and one's sort of going out to raves and and stuff. And yes. <laughs> so uh, how, how are you? Uh, how are you sort of finding different clothing, and how are you dressing them differently? Well, so for uh, the character Allie, the younger daughter, she's at the age, you know, she's right at the end of high school. She's applying to colleges, and so she. It's I've always thought of that age as one where you're starting to feel more collected and a little bit more like yourself and a little bit more like you have your, your, you know, your sense of who you are together. Because then of course, as soon as you go to university, you lose that completely and you, you know, <laughs> yourself immediately. But so she is a little more, i like to sort of think of her as like very, almost like a young baby doll meets grunge rave yeah. culture. So you'll see her are like a combination of like shirts that are actually maybe something she's had from when she was, you know, younger paired with chokers and hard eyeliner and big clumping boots. And, and it's sort of a mishmash of sort of where she's been and where she feels like she's going. Yeah. But I always wanted Abby to feel, you know, very confident in the way she dressed, even though it seemed a bit off kilter at times and a bit of a hodgepodge of her influence. She still asserted herself a certain way, you know, based on her attitude and where she was at in her life. And I think for Jenny's character, Dana, she um, is a little bit more conservative, a little bit more square, has kind of been over the hump of trying fashion trends and is we meet her at a time where, you know, she's about to get married. She's still working at a very hip place in the city, you know, paper magazine, but she's still, she's not losing anything in terms of, you know, letting that affect her too much and how she presents herself. She has a lot of earthy colors, some floral prints. It's a little bit more, um, slightly more covered, a little bit sweeter, and indicative of just her, you know, beginning to step into the wife role in her life. Of yeah. course, you know, over the course of the film, that gets washed away. <laughs> and some of Ab some of Allie's choices influence her. And 
we start to see her dress more like her sister and wear some of her sister's clothes and she gets her eyebrow pierced. So we definitely take Dana on a journey. Um, But she starts in in a much more conservative place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some photos of Eddie Falco as well wearing a spectacular pink kind of uh, outfit. So, yes, I believe there was a particular inspiration for that as well. Oh, yes. Um, Miss Hillary Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she that was such a great scene. And one of my favorite parts of working on this movie is that there were so many moments where I really feel like the costumes drove a story point forward and had some to do with, you know, really telling you something important about the character. And Edie's character was powerful at work and, you know, dressed the way she thought she should dress to be taken seriously as a woman amongst a lot of men. And that was Hillary Clinton to a T in the 90s. And, you know, there was something, of course, very sweet to be able to say that and and pay homage to her you know and over the course of our past year that we've had (laughs) in the states uh, you know it was really and at the time we had no idea that that was going to be have any legs you know out from this from our our movie but i it it just feels like a really nice little love note from me hillary (laughs) if (laughs) she ever sees the movie (laughs) oh yeah 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 and um the the father's character as well there was an interesting influence to to his clothing i believe as well Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. Well, you know, what's interesting with that is that um, that's kind of an example of actually needing to use pop culture and, you know, from the time to help us because his character is not a very knowable or photographed or celebrated age group or person. Yeah. Uh, to be able to find in photos. I mean, you know, sort of a middle-aged lawyer in the city is a hard thing to pin down and research. And so what revisiting was that Seinfeld, I think the clothing in Seinfeld was, you know, always maintained a certain level of authenticity to it in that it didn't, it it just felt real. And it just felt sort of matter of fact, a lot of the times, especially in the way that, you know, Jerry dressed it was comfortable. It just made sense. It looked like it should look, it wasn't assuming in any way. And that, that was really helpful for me, <laughs> for Alan. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it's it's going to be really, uh, it's a really interesting film. I don't think it's come on to, I'm assuming it's coming on to Amazon over here at some point. I don't, think, uh, I don't think it's come on yet. So um, I will be watching it when it comes out. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so a couple of other things you've worked on. Uh, Happen Leonard, which uh, is great show. Yeah. That's That actually, that airs on Amazon over here. <laughs> Interestingly. And uh, The Purge, uh, Election you you worked on that that must have been fun to work on ah that was the best that was such a great great time yes just creating because uh you you had to recreate the purges masks for that film as well yes yeah that was just i mean that was i didn't know that coming on to that film that i would be tasked with making the masks (laughs) and um it it was just it it was amazing. It's a part of costume design that is not usually investigated in in modern film um, because it's so theatrical. Yeah. But 
it's uh, it's really it just it, it was it was wonderful. I mean, it, it's such an a obviously powerful. Um, costume piece that's sort of you know human beings as something to be expressive of feeling and so to be able to work that into a modern uh thriller was was great and the um the thing you're working on at the moment is of course jessica jones season two um yes. which yes. i i'm a huge huge fan of the first season of that uh it was it's uh, it just an incredible i i think he's actually probably one of my favorite of the uh, if not my favorite of the marvel netflix ones out of that first season so you're taking over his second second season of this stephanie uh Malansky did the the first season of it as she has done most of uh, of them so yes. how, how did you end up uh on the on the second season of that well I um I was put in touch with Melissa Rosenberg, the amazing showrunner of yeah. the show, through uh, the line producer of the show, Tim, and we just had a really, again, a great meeting. You know, Melissa had some different ideas about how she wanted to approach the costumes for the second season, and she was looking for somebody to execute that, and. Yeah. Um, we just, I, I just have the, mo- the utmost respect for her and Kristen, and I was able to, you know, just just meet with them and have have a really nice discussion. And it's it's truly been my honor to be on this show. I mean, it is so, I mean, aesthetically and story wise, and you know, in terms of the show as a as a work of art, it's been incredible, but also just to be in amongst so many amazing, powerful and creative women yeah. um, who are just in charge is just, <laughs> is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, uh, how is it just sort of coming in from, from the costume point of view when there's already been one season of the show? So certain things are, are maybe set in a certain way. Are you sort of building on what Stephanie set up uh, or are you kind of, yes. yeah. Yes. I mean, Stephanie built a very strong foundation for the show and she you know the first season costumes are great as is evidence in the fact that you know jessica's look is so iconic and has really i mean just uh, people have really taken to it and to her as a character and um there are a lot of bits of the show that we've kept in the a similar tradition as the first season, you know, not to go in, you know, often completely a, a different direction. But I think that I'm excited and proud of the way I've been able to expand on the look of the show. And, um, you know, especially with with certain characters like Jessica, who have a little bit more of a limited wardrobe, still able to find new ways to help her express herself in clothes was really a treat. And then in other characters like, you know, Trish be able to really push the boundaries further, you know, and I've been very lucky to have a tremendous amount of support here from Marvel and Melissa and the writers and directors and everybody really, um, in terms of allowing me to take, to take steps and to take risks where, you know, I feel like they're, they could, they could happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that coming back. I'm looking forward to the Defenders as well, which is out this uh, month. Ah, so. yes. So, yes. So, um, yeah, because because uh, yeah, Jessica Jones will be one of the first of the of the new sort of of the second lot of 
shows i guess after the defenders comes out so exactly yes yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to that a couple of final questions for you which we ask everybody because we cover a lot of tv shows on the website so uh, two questions we always give are what tv shows are you watching at the moment firstly Ooh, okay currently of course i'm watching game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um i cannot i i just love that show yeah. And um, I'm also, I just finished a really watching this really fascinating, uh, actually, football documentary called Last Chance You on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, a documentary show. It's just incredible. Um, and uh, I also absolutely love this one show that's on the Sci Fi channel. I'm not sure if that comes across but it's uh it's called face off oh, right yeah yeah i'm aware <laughs> of it special effects competition show it's just i love watching people flex their creative muscle every week and it's amazing yeah yeah that it's brilliant yeah and uh lastly if you had the opportunity to work on any show past present or future which show would it be obviously not the show you're on right Ooh, 100% fringe. <laughs> Are you, you know that show? It, yes. it ended a little bit ago. Oh, oh I, I lo- love yeah. to work on that show. That's an interesting choice. I adored that show. I, I, I love yeah. the, I love the fact that it will completely pivot like every single season to an entirely different direction. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> Just just amazing. Really such an amazing show that. So yes, good choice. We've not had that before. Oh, oh I love that. Okay, good. <laughs> Glad to give Stinch some love. <laughs> yes, always good. All right. I shall let you get back to your uh, your day in New York. Um I, I hope you're having a wonderful time and enjoying Jessica Jones. Oh, I am. Thank you so much. It was so nice to talk with you. Lovely to talk to you too. All right, bye bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Elizabeth. Hope you enjoyed that. Next up we have some highlights for next week on tv so highlights for next week we got uh, ray donovan as i mentioned earlier is is due to come back for its fifth season that's on the 16th of august on sky atlantic at 9 p.m i'm really enjoying that although i'm finding the fourth season a bit of a slog at the moment um so i've you know i'm sure i'll get back into it but i'm struggling a bit a little bit that's gonna be followed by i'm dying up here which is coming to sky atlantic it's a new show that's it on sky atlantic at 16th of august at uh, 10 past 10 that's set in the 70s la stand-up comedy scene where all the kind of classic comics came out of uh, it's a comedy drama about the inspired and damaged psyches that take on the challenge of making an audience laugh that sounds quite interesting i mean i just sort of behind the scenes of 70s new york comedy i I'm sorry la comedy looks quite interesting i thought yeah i don't think i've seen anything that kind of covers that really definitely not done in a tv format no no so as a comedy drama i think that could be quite good We've also got Halt and Catch Fire, which comes for its fourth season on Amazon Prime for the 20th. Watched a few episodes of that. It seems quite good, but I've not kind of got back to it. And uh, on the 18th of August, we, of course, have The Defenders arriving, finally, after a long, long, long wait. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Iron Fist together for 10 episodes. I've seen a few trailers and stuff for this. It looks like it's going to be quite good fun. I'm quite looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's one that's got... There's a lot of expectations on this one and there's going to be people watching it that are a fan of each individual character. So seeing how they balance that and how they bring them all together. I mean, I'm guessing this was always their plan from the start. Yes, it was. So 
it's going to be written with that in mind and hopefully it's going to be awesome yeah I mean the the plan initially was to do Daredevil Jessica Jones Luke Cage Iron Fist Defenders and then Daredevil became quite popular and uh, you know Punisher then spun out and then we got so we got sort of a couple of seasons of Daredevil and you know so it, everything got stretched out a bit more but I'm looking forward to, to that I think it looks like it's going to be excellent that's uh, coming on the 18th of August that arrives which I think is next Friday I would guess um, so, with all that out of the way, have you got anything else to add? Uh, I think we've pretty much covered it all. Cool, okay. So, if you want to find more about Bex, you can find her on... Trista Bytes on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's Bytes like Computer Bite, because I'm that geeky. And you can also find some of my videos and articles up on the geektown.co.uk website as well. Yes. And for us, you can find us at the main site on geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest news and air date info. We're posting news daily if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post you can find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 